listening to the Weekly Buzz, brought to you by electricianslibrary.com, where we're building the world's largest online informational resource for the electrical trades, including product videos, data sheets, stories, and more. Don't forget to like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash electricianslibrary, and follow us on Twitter at electriclibrary. Now, on with the show. Welcome back, Buzz Nation. This is episode nine of the Weekly Buzz, and I am your host, John Workman. So before we get started today, I would like to ask you guys for two quick favors. Um, I haven't done this before, and this is the first time. And, you know, for all of you out there that are are checking us out, which I deeply appreciate, um, I want two quick favors from you. First of all, would you please go to electricianslibrary.com and sign up for the newsletter. Uh, this is just something I send out every week to let you know what's going on, uh, what the new podcast is going to be, what the new blog post is, and when we start getting the uh, product videos up, I'll probably start uh, letting you know what product videos are coming up on there. So go to Electrician's Library and sign up for the newsletter. And number two, would you pretty, pretty please... Head over to iTunes and uh, give the show a review and a rating. Uh, five star would be most preferable, of course. But uh, but I want you to be honest. Uh, honesty only is going to help the show get better. And uh, I appreciate the honesty and want to know where I can do what I can do to improve this and uh, make it more valuable for you guys because that's the whole goal here. I want to provide value. I want you guys to to feel like you can come here to the show and and glean something and make it worth your time for, for listening to this thing. So, so anyways, uh, electricianslibrary.com, sign up for the newsletter and head over to iTunes, uh, search for the weekly buzz. If you're not listening to it there, go ahead and subscribe, give me a review and a rating. So I just want to thank you in advance for doing that because it is much, much appreciated. Um, I'm going to start the show off a little different. This is episode nine, and we're going to be talking about Thomas Edison again, part two. Um, but a good friend of mine, whom I think I mentioned in the last episode, John Muir, um, he's been listening to it and gave me a really good suggestion. Uh, and one thing about John is he's got a lot more hair on his head than I do, so that's pretty sweet. That's pretty cool. Um, just a shout out to you there, John, if you're listening. Um, but he brought to my attention that uh, that I that I had made a mistake. Now he didn't he didn't call this a mistake, but uh, I know that's what it is, and so that's why I'm calling it a mistake, and I need to fix that. So he was checking it out. He was listening to the buzz, and uh, he said to me that you know I'm surprised that you didn't tell everyone who you are. And I said, well, it doesn't matter who I am, and. Then I realized that he was right. How are you guys going to be able to trust me or what I'm saying if you don't even know who I am? So here's here's a little bit about my background um, and just, you know, who I am. The man, the not very mythical, not very legendary John Workman. So I am happily married to the most wonderful woman on the planet. Her name is Natalie, and she has blessed me, well, let's see, we're going on, in March will be 14 years, so 13 and a half years, um, but she has blessed me with five wonderful children, um, three boys, two girls, one set of twins in there, and uh, our house is pretty crazy. 
you know, there's, there's no doubt about it that there's a lot of, a lot of craziness that goes on, but a lot of fun nonetheless. Um, and we're always just, we're always trying to have a good time. We're always doing something, whether the kids are, you know, the kids got plenty of activities with their, their music and their sports and, and all that good stuff. And, uh, between all the, all the craziness, we just, we just try to have a good time. So I career-wise started in the electrical trades at uh, the ripe old age of 21 as an apprentice. Um, I did this for two years in many different settings, whether it was residential, commercial, industrial. Um, I saw a lot of action in those two years. And it's mainly because of the small time, small town that I live in. Um, you, you pretty much have to learn how to do it all. And specializing is kind of tough if you want to make a decent living. So, so saw a lot of good stuff there. But after two years of apprenticing, I kind of, uh, I kind of felt like I wasn't being taught what I needed to be taught. Um, I get bored really, really easily, and I felt like I needed to move on. Which many times in my life, I have looked back and and thought that was a mistake because I feel like my I kind of have this pull and this draw towards electricity and and uh, learning about it and and all that good stuff. Um, but but I got bored and felt like I needed to move on. So over the next several years, I you know I did a lot of a lot of construction. You know I stayed in the construction field um, and eventually became a general contractor. And then the after a few years of doing that, the market crashed. And, you know, real estate took a dump and it was time for me to say sayonara to that as well, I guess. So, um, it kind of led me back to doing what I originally set out to do with the, with the electrical trade, but this time it was in a different capacity. So for the last five and a half years, I have been in the electrical wholesale side of things. So learning about product, learning about application you know, continuing to, uh, to progress my knowledge of the principles of electricity and, and those types of things. And so, uh, I, I, uh, you know, that's, that's why I originally started Electricalville. I just, I love the principles of electricity. It's fascinating to me. I love learning how to make new things work. Uh, you know, get the understanding of the concepts and, and everything that goes along with it. But I just, it was just tough for me to deal with some of the things that, uh, that came along with the trade. And, and I just, I had to, I had to do something different. So, so now I find myself in a position where I can do something that, that, that I enjoy and that's, and that's teaching, you know, I'm still, still, uh, holding down the fort down at the electrical wholesale house and, uh, and, it's helping me to learn and grow more so I can help you guys out with the, with the library. And it's just, this is helping me to, to marry the two together, you know, electricians library, the weekly buzz. It's, it's helping me to bring the two together. So that kind of is me in a nutshell. Uh, brings me to the present day. You know, I had an idea and I'm trying to act on it and I'm grateful for the support that I've received from all of you out there already. Um, you know, we're well over 700 listens on the podcast, which is absolutely amazing to me because uh, it hasn't been going for more than a month. And so I, I feel pretty blessed to have all you out there listening and, 
And so I would like to know who some of you are out there. And so I'm going to try to uh, figure out how to, to make it. So, well, here's what we can do. If you've listened to this episode, go to Electrician's Library Facebook page and leave me a comment. Let me know how you, uh, what you think about it or what you enjoyed, what I can change or improve. But it's uh, facebook.com forward slash electrician's library. And like the page, become part of the community, and uh, let's just let's keep building this thing. So let's, uh, let's get going with episode nine. Um, this is going to be the last of a four-part series about Thomas Edison and Tesla. And it's been quite interesting to learn about the, the two rivals in the world of electricity. So this week I've only got uh, seven... Seven uh, fun facts about Thomas Edison. And so it may or may not be uh, as informative or as long, but, uh, but that's all right. So let's, let's get going. Um, fun fact number one is Tesla, you know, he, or Edison, excuse me, um, living in episode, uh, episode eight here. So just like, just like Tesla, uh, things started happening to you know Edison at a really early age. Um, usually, these guys that are performing some good things later on in life, uh, you know, at, at the early age, uh, things start to uh, start to manifest. And so, uh, right around the age of twelve, you know, Thomas Edison he started to lose his hearing. Um, he started heading down the drain, and there were a couple of different couple of different reasons, a couple of different speculations as to why that that they thought that this was happening. But one of the, and this, this is what I love, there's so many quote-unquote legends about these guys, but the legend has it that, the, that there was a train conductor and he smacked Edison in the ears after he started a fire in a boxcar when he was doing experiments. And, uh, you know, Edison himself, you know, admitted that there... There was uh, some injury when the conductor picked him up by his ears onto a moving train. So, train's moving, condu- conductor grabs, excuse me, conductor grabs Edison by the ears and pulls him on the train. Um, but others, others have said that, you know, it was probably just caused by a bout of scarlet fever uh, when, he was a, when he was a child. And then others still are pretty convinced that it was a genetic condition because, um, both both Edison's father and one of his brothers also suffered from some some hearing loss. So, you know, we don't know for sure what uh, you know what was going on with Edison's hearing, but the one thing we do know for sure is that that he actually liked uh, being deaf. Now, technically, he wasn't deaf; he was just he was just hard hearing. But uh, he said it made it easier for him to concentrate on his experiments. And I don't know if you, any of you have ever noticed that, but if you're ever in the car alone, driving by yourself, just turn off the radio, turn off everything, and just listen. You know, it's amazing how easy it is to concentrate when you don't have anything distracting you. So uh, that was that was the thing about Edison. Edison, he uh, he enjoyed not uh, not hearing very well. But one more thing about uh, the whole boxcar uh, train episode is that Edison actually, he did have a laboratory in a boxcar, box um, and it did catch fire. Um, 
the, you know, at the time he was 12 years old and he took a job selling newspapers and, uh, and candies on this Grand Trunk Railroad um, that went from Port Huron to Detroit. And what he, what he did was he set up a lab for chemistry experiments and a printing press in the baggage car where he published the Grand Trunk Herald. And this was, uh, came to be known as the first newspaper that was ever published on a train. So, so I guess number one there is kind of uh, number one and two, you know, a couple of interesting little, little facts there together. But, uh, you know, started young, started young, 12 years old, pretty awesome. Um, but a couple of years later, you know, when he was 14 years old, still, still, uh, dealing with the Grand Trunk Railroad, uh, he wasn't, uh, he wasn't the villain this time. He wasn't starting things on fire. He actually became a hero when, uh, when he was able to rescue a three-year-old little boy named Jimmy McKenzie, and he was stuck on a runaway boxcar. So what happened next was Jimmy's father um, kind of paid Edison back for the heroic move. And, uh, you know, Jimmy's father, he was a... He was kind of a well-known guy, station agent, uh, and he he taught Edison how to operate the telegraph machine. You know, this was this was Edison's uh, payment, I guess you would say, for uh, saving the boy. Was he was taught to operate the telegraph machine? You know, this was pretty instrumental because you know later on Edison became a telegraph operator for Western Union. And, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't stupid. He, he, while he was working there, he, he decided to uh, request a night shift so that he could once again have more time for experiments. So he was, you know, double dipping, I guess you would say, uh, on company time, working on his experiments. And one day it finally caught up to him when he accidentally spilled some sulfuric acid uh, while he was experimenting on a battery. Now the, the acid ran between the floorboards and just happened to fall on his boss's desk below. And, uh, well, needless to say, that uh, ended Edison's career at uh, the Western Union as he, was, uh, as he was promptly fired the next morning. So, so very, uh, you know, it's just, it's interesting to see how these guys, how these guys roll, you know. They've got their jobs, but at the same time, they're, they're doing their own thing and uh, working on their own experiments and, uh, and trying to make things happen. So, you know, all of this, all this experimenting that Edison done, you know, he was so young when he started doing it, it could, it could do nothing but propel, uh, propel Edison's future. Um, in, in 1869, you know, he was 22 years old, and that's when he got his first patent for, um, for the telegraph vote recording machine for the legislature. Now, you can imagine how this is going to go because it's dealing with, uh, with the government and uh, you, know how, you know how the government feels about dealing with, uh, with private industry. But, uh, so, so he got his first patent for a telegraph voting, vote recording machine. And basically the way this will work is each legislature, legislator would move, a, would move a switch on the machine. And then this would record his vote on a particular bill. So um, one of Edison's business partners brought the invention to D.C., 
But this is what Congress had to say about it. Quote, the chairman of the committee, unimpressed with the speed with which the instrument could record, record votes, told him that if there is an, any invention on earth that we don't want down here, this is it. The slow pace of the roll call voting in Congress and other legislatures uh, enabled members to filibuster legislation or convince others to change their votes. Edison's vote recorder was never used. And that's quoted from uh, the Edison papers. So from then on, um, Edison, just, you know, he made the decision, he made the conscious decision that he was only going to invent something if there was actually a market for it. And so obviously when dealing with the, uh, with governmental issues, there's not a whole lot of market there for anything, really, because they're not going to do anything to try to speed things up. They're not going to try to do anything to make things more efficient. And that's a subject for a whole another episode. So um, so the, the next little bit of information uh, was a little bit strange to me, but maybe it wasn't for the time. You know, we're living in an age where you know, people are, I mean, I got married when I was 21, you know, probably the average age anymore is high 20s, maybe low 30s. I mean, people are getting married at a much older age today than they used to. But um, the spread here is still just a little a little strange to me. Um, on Christmas Day in 1871, um, Edison married a 16-year-old. And she was an employee, Mary Stillwell. Now, at this time, Thomas Edison was 20, 24 years old. So, 24 and 16. And she's an employee. And he had only known her for two months. Okay? He had just met her two months earlier. And, you know, it was, you know, it had to have been pretty, pretty interesting household. Um, you know, so they get married December, you know, in December, Christmas Day, uh, and then not too not too far later in February, um, Edison wrote in his diary, and he was pretty pretty exasperated. He was pretty stunned at his wife's inability to uh, to be able to invent, and uh, you know the. He must, he must have had a very delusional outlook on the way life should have been, thinking everybody could met. But in his diary, wrote, Miss Mary, Mrs. Mary Edison, my wife, dearly beloved, cannot invent worth a darn. And my wife, Poops, Pop, Popsy Wopsy, can't invent. So, very interesting. Uh, but what she did do, sounds like she did very well, is she gave him three children. Uh... Interestingly enough, the first two, Edison nicknamed Dot and Dash, you know, just plugging away off the, uh, off the old uh, Morse code there. So, <clears throat> unfortunately, uh, you know, his first wife, you know, Mary, had, had passed away. And a couple of years after she had died, uh, Edison, Edison met um, a gal named Minna Miller. Um, she was she was only twenty years old at the time, um, and it's you know their story is also also a very interesting story about how they met. Um, after after Mary's death, you know it was it was it was part of Edison's 
regular routine to go to Boston and stay uh, stay with one of his friends, Mr. and Mrs. Gillard, Gilliard. And the Gilliards, they always made sure that there was some, you know, eligible young lady that was quote-unquote visiting um, at the time. And they, uh, you know, they were trying to get him, get him uh, married off again. But Edison, you know, he wasn't, uh, I don't know, he was no Brad Pitt, I guess you would say. Or, you know, who I, I don't know, I'm not up on the latest and greatest and the movie stars and all that, but. But, uh, you know, he's half-deaf, you know, he's bug-eyed, he had horrible breath, bad dandruff, and uh, in order to hear, most of the time, he was, he was like a close talker, you know? He would have to put his face really up close to the girls in order to hear the words, and this freaked him out, you know? This, they just, they weren't down with this, so, um, so you know, that, it's just... People are just funny, you know. It's it. I said it. I've said it in every episode. It's just really interesting to see how uh, how um, interesting of lives that these guys lead when you you hear them put up as as heroes and and uh, you know these super brilliant guys and and uh, when you start learning all these uh, little things about them, it just it, it makes them human, you know. It it makes them human. So. On that note, why don't we go ahead and take a quick break uh, for the definition of the week, and we'll come back and uh, finish up the last uh, last few um, interesting facts about our good old friend Thomas Edison. This NEC definition of the week is brought to you by electricianslibrary.com. The definition this week is exposed as applied to live parts. Capable of being inadvertently touched or approached nearer than a safe distance by a person. An informational note, this term applies to parts that are not suitably guarded, isolated, or insulated. All right, we're back. And uh, let's, let's talk about the way that, uh, that Thomas proposed to his second wife, Minna Miller. You know, this was uh, this was something that we, all, you know, we all think of our own uh, kind of interesting, crazy ways of, of doing things like this. Um, but his was his was pretty cool, actually. Like, I'm I'm pretty impressed by this. Um, you know, he uh, this this Miller, just a little bit of background. You know, he was he was immediately smitten by this girl. Okay, he. He immediately fell in love with her, and uh, you know he basically, with her, he found his own his own ver- version of paradise. You know they lived in uh, in Fort Myers, which uh, you know back then was a pretty small village, and he uh, he had decided that he was there were three things that he was going to do. He was going to build a winter home in Florida. He was going to marry Minna, and then uh, he was going to take her to. To this tropical Eden down in Fort Myers, and uh, you know, so once he got back in New York, you know, he's he's typically he was typically a, uh, a workaholic, and he was pretty obsessed with uh, with getting things done. But he had suddenly become um, obsessed with his new love. Of course, I mean that's what happens when you when you fall in love with somebody. There's 
kind of this, you know, new obsession that, uh, that takes place. And, uh, you know, he, he wrote in his diary a lot. And this time he wrote, saw a lady who looked like Minna, got thinking about Minna, and came near being run over by a streetcar. If Minna interferes much more, we'll have to take out an accident policy. Um, so he was, uh, he was always thinking about her and always, uh, you know, always wanting to be with her. And it's, you know, it's a cool love story. So, so he decided it was finally, it was finally time to, um, you know, pop the question, uh, get this, get this thing on the road. And so what he did was Edison, he taught Minna Morse code. And that way they were able to communicate in secret, you know, by tapping on each other's hands when uh, her family was around, you know, the old secret language that nobody really knew what was going on. So um, one day Edison, uh, he proposed to her Morse code on her hand and she promptly replied back in Morse code, yes. So if you ever want to, if you're ever in a position of, uh, for all you single guys out there, want an interesting way to uh, propose to your lady, then uh, teach her Morse code. And, and uh, yeah, that, that'll be a very interesting uh, story to tell, your, uh, to tell your kids and your grandkids. So kind of along the same lines as, as the tapping the Morse code, um, Edison had another very uh, interesting, um, I guess you'd call it a tapping invention, but not really a tapping invention. It's more like an engraving. I was just looking for a good segue there, and, and it didn't work out so good. But I'm not going to edit it out. We're, uh, we're not about editing here. We're just going to let it happen what happens. So um, according to an uh, 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 insurance policy in 1911 with uh, Mutual Life, um, Edison had five dots tattooed on his left forearm, and nobody could figure out what those meant. Um, one speculation is, you know, Edison, Edison was uh, credited for inventing the basic tattoo machine, okay? He, in, in 1876, he patented what he called stencil pens. And basically what they were, they were engraving, engraving pens. Um, and uh, many years later, there was a gentleman called Samuel O'Reilly, and he took these engraving pens, uh, these uh, stencil pens, and he modified them to make the world's, you know, first tattoo machine. And so, you know, as cool as it would have been to know if Edison actually gave himself a tattoo, there's just, there's just no evidence to know if that's, you know, if he used his invention to give, to give himself one. And so, you know, basically uh, because of the modification of this stencil pen, you know, he's, he's been credited with uh, the earliest versions of the, of the tattoo gun. So very cool for all you guys out there that are inked up. Uh, once again, take that all the way back to uh, good old Thomas Edison back in the late 1800s. Um, <clears throat> aside from that invention, you know, Edison is credited with a lot of other cool, a lot of other cool inventions. But, uh, you know, this was the Wild West. You know, they were... They were trying all kinds of things they did not have a clue about. And we wouldn't know about them now if they hadn't been tried them. And unfortunately, one of those that, uh, one of those that came about had to deal with, uh, with the x-ray machines. So um, a gentleman named Wilhelm Conrad Rontgen, 
he's the guy, he's the guy that discovered x-rays right around, you know, super late 1800s, you know, 1895-ish. Um, and Edison, uh, what Edison did was he grabbed one of his employees. Um, this dude was a glass blower, you know, a pro glass blower, and his name was Clarence, Clarence Daly. And he directed him to make, uh, to develop a, a fluoroscope. Don't ask me what a fluoroscope is because I have no idea. I didn't, uh, I did not research that enough to find out. So at the, at the time though, these were called, you know, uh, a focus tube. Okay. They called the Edison x-ray focus tube and, and, uh, you know, it was a commercial success and ultimately became, you know, the basis of modern fluoroscopy that are used in hospitals today. But, uh, but like I say, I, I, I don't do the medical stuff. So, um, at the time, you know, like many, many new markets, uh, many new inventions, no one believed that the x-rays were, were dangerous. And so what Clarence did was he had a habit of, um, testing the, the x-ray tubes on his hands. Okay. So, so every time he'd build one, he'd test them on his hand, make sure that they worked. And the problem with this though, was right around 1900, he started to get, uh, he started to get some lesions on his wrists and you know, they, they wouldn't heal. So he did, they did several skin grafts and eventually it got so bad that you know, they just had to amputate his hand. Just, there was nothing, uh, there was nothing they could do. But Edison, you know, Edison understood what was going on as far as this is my fault. I told him to do it. So, so he kept, kept Dally on his payroll. Um, even, even when he was sick enough that he couldn't come to work anymore. So, I mean, that shows, you know, kind of the integrity that Edison has. And, uh, I mean, I feel, I feel pretty bad about this deal. You know, his, Dally's condition just got worse and worse. And, uh, he ended up having both of his arms, you know, amputated and, uh, you know, eventually died of cancer. And I mean, like I say, wild west, you don't, they don't know what they're doing. And so they, uh, you know, after this happened, you know, Edison was pretty shaken and he, he halted all the work on the fluoroscopes. You know, we talked about it in an interview in 1903. And, and, you know, he just said, he said, don't talk to me about x-rays. He says, I'm afraid of them. I stopped experimenting with them two years ago when I came near to losing my eyesight. And daily, Dally, my assistant, practically lost the use of both arms. I'm afraid of radium and plutonium too, or polonium too. And I don't want to monkey with them. So... You know, it was a it was kind of a frightful deal. They uh, didn't know didn't know what they were dealing with, and realized that it was going to start. Uh, it was going to kill people if they didn't figure it out. So he just he quit all work on it. So, um, so you know, another one of those inventions that uh, kind of didn't work out so well at first. Um, and let's see here. So last but not least, you know, uh, Edison. <laughs> you know it. it he didn't, he was not successful with everything, obviously, you know, and this, this project that took place in 1887 proved, you know, proved to be a huge fiasco. So what he did was, 
he he proposed an idea of uh, you know extracting iron from a low grade ore, and you know a lot of people immediately started ridiculing by you know by an editorial, and what they did was they called the idea Edison's folly, you know, and and a lot of people thought he was stupid as to what he was doing, and so he he, he what he did was he immediately invested all of his money and he built a huge uh, he built a huge plant and then a town around it and what he did was he found out a little while later that it would be far cheaper just to mine iron ore so you know he was left with all the heavy machinery you know from the fill project and he decided to get into the cement business so he noticed that uh you know, he figured out that you could mold concrete, you know, put it in a lot of different shapes and, uh, you know, thought it'd be fun to build a house by pouring concrete into a single giant mold. And, uh, it wasn't just the house, but, uh, you know, he did everything from bathtubs, windowsills, staircases, picture frames to, uh, you know, the conduit for electricity and, uh, you know, the reinforcing rods were just, were, were molded right in. So, he was, I mean, he was ahead of his time there too. You know, he, you know, he built this concrete house after failure with, uh, with, uh, the mining stuff. And, you know, there are a lot of people that obviously are doing that today. And 1887, I mean, he was, he was, he was on the ball. He knew what he was doing. So, so anyways, uh, that, uh, that's going to wrap up. Uh, Edison for us um, in this four-part series. And I think what we're going to do is uh, is the next uh, episode or two, we're going to talk about the war currents that um, that took place with Edison, you know, on the DC side and Tesla on the AC side, and kind of you know brings us to modern day as to why we're why we're using AC power everywhere. So. We're uh, I'm running just a little longer here than, than the last couple episodes, and I just once again want to tell you thank you for uh, for listening. I appreciate uh, I appreciate all those of you who are who are out there that are supporting this. And you know if you got a if you got an electrical business, let me just let me just throw this plug out there real quick. If you got a business and uh, you'd like it listed, we've got a directory page now on electricianslibrary.com and we'd love to put your business on there. It's free. You know, we just want to, we want to get some more exposure for everybody else out there and uh, let you know that we, you know, we appreciate all that you do and want to help you succeed in your, in your business as well. If there's any of you out there that uh, would like to provide content and, uh, you know, maybe be a guest blogger on the, on the site, let me know also because, uh, we're more than happy to get as many people's viewpoints out there as possible because uh, I surely don't know everything and it's not my intent to, to make you think that I do. It's not, uh, not something that I've ever had a goal of. I'd like to get as many different aspects and viewpoints out there as we can. So, uh, Anyways, once again, um, thank you for listening. Uh, why don't you go over to uh, facebook.com forward slash electricians library. Tell me what you think about this. Let me see. Let me let me get to know some of you out there who are uh, who are listening to the show because I, I really appreciate it. And uh, anyways, till uh, till next week. Thanks for listening and stay grounded. Mm-hmm.
The safety tip of the week is brought to you by electricianslibrary.com. Here's today's tip. After you've de-energized your equipment, make sure that the lockout and tagout procedures that safeguard workers from unexpected energization or startup of the machinery are in place. Lockout tagout can also prevent the release of hazardous energy during any kind of service or maintenance activity. So make sure you're always locking out and tagging out, not just for your safety, but the safety of those around you.